While story invites us to ask powerful questions, your life and your story are shaped by the questions you ask. What is the story that you ache to tell? The only way to become a better storyteller is by telling more stories. The only hope we have are the stories we tell. Stories not bound by what is possible. We are proud to be storytellers. CJ Cassiata is a speaker, entrepreneur, and author of the book, Get Weird, Discovering the Surprising Secret to Making a Difference. If you're a regular listener of the Story Podcast or have attended any of our gatherings, then you know CJ is no stranger to story. We love talking to him because more than most people, he really seems to get that what makes you unique is what makes you powerful. That's the heart of his message, as you can hear in this expert from a recent talk he gave for us at Story 2018. Listen in. I wrote really a good chunk of this book on my friend Mama Moo's farm, Mama Moo. We call her Mama Moo. Uh, her real name is Lynn, but her grandkids call her Mama Moo, and so, so we affectionately give her that name uh, as well. And uh, Mama Moo was in, in her late 60s, and, and so at a time when like most of her friends were kind of getting ready to retire and, and, and wither to a halt. Um, Mama Moo bought the farm. Okay, that's a bad turn of phrase. Uh, no, she, literally, she literally bought uh, 24 acres of, of tillable farmland about 45 minutes south from here. And it's one of the most like, beautiful places I've ever seen. It's got you know, chickens and cows and ducks and wildflowers and every vegetable you could possibly imagine. And, and, you know, my, my kid runs through her garden and, and Mama Moo acts as her like adventure tour guide and, you know, shows her the ways of nature. And it's, it's amazing. And I love so many things about Mama Moo, but the, the favorite thing about her is that she gets up like before the sun every morning. Like you'll, you'll find her, it's like 5 a.m. and she's got this thick sort of slathered on mask of SPF 30. And she's, you know, bending down over her vegetables and she's caring for her garden and she's tilling and she's sowing and she's doing all the things that farmers do. And then my favorite thing is, is she, she shares like everything she has. She gives stuff away to friends and family and she partners with local restaurants and local chefs. And if you've been around Nashville long enough, you've probably gotten in on, on Mama Moo's goodness. Um, She's just unbelievably amazing, and, and, and her farm is equally amazing. So when it, it came time to sort of start writing this book, I thought, like, maybe I could bum her porch for a little bit, for a couple days. And so I was there for three days. I was hoping to be inspired by this super inspirational place, and nothing, just nothing was coming to me. Nothing at all. And uh, I, was, I was really bummed. I was about to leave the third day, and uh, I was actually late to a meeting. And so I was really bummed, and I'm kind of grouchy. And she goes, wait, before you go, you have to come and pick some vegetables and bring them home to your family. I said, okay, you're right, you're right. And she scolded me, essentially. And so we're walking through her garden, and I'm you know, thinking about this meeting that I'm late for, and then all of a sudden I hear Mama Moo's voice like out of the corner of my ear. She goes, come here, come on, stop, you got to look at this. So I put down my bag of vegetables, and I come over to her, and she's bent down over this uh, tomato leaf. And she goes, hey, do you know what this is? And I go, it's, it's, a, it's a tomato leaf. <laughs> like, what's the big deal? And she goes, no, 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 look, like... Look closer, and then I see it. Then I see it. It's like, it's right there. It's, it's this green little creature, and it's got these yellow polka dots, and it's got these jet black lines, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. And she goes, this 
this is the caterpillar that turns into a miraculous monarch butterfly. Isn't it beautiful? And there is no doubt about it. Look, it absolutely was. I actually took a picture of it right there. It's beautiful. And there it was. Like Up until that moment, I wasn't getting any sort of inspiration at all, and it just struck me right in that singular moment. See, all my life, I've been told the narrative of Rudolph. I've been told the narrative of the, the ugly caterpillar that one day turns into a beautiful butterfly. But this like three-inch little punk <laughs> broke through 30-something years of preconceived notions just, just by hanging out there, just by doing what it was designed to do, just by being, quite possibly before it ever really knew what it was destined for. And so I got this, uh, this five-year-old daughter at home, and she just started kindergarten. And uh, if, I'm, if I'm being honest with you guys, I'm, I'm just really nervous uh, because I, I know that there's coming a point really soon where her version of her shiny red nose, you know, the thing that makes her unique, it, it, it's going to either be made fun of or it's not going to be seen as valuable to, to other people. And that's just kind of part of the deal in school, right? I mean, I remember I was, I was bullied. Uh, I, my my story is pretty similar to a lot of the, the people I'm hearing on stage where it's like, you know, I was short and scrawny and I was last picked on the team. Um, when I actually, uh, you know, lift weights now, <laughs> I, I lift up to get to normal. Like, because <laughs> I'm still that way. I'm still that way. The temptation's going to be to tell her the myth of the caterpillar, right? Ask her dad, hey, one day, don't worry about it. Like, all the awkwardness you kind of have right now, that's going to that's gonna all sort of melt away in this moment of, of, of beautiful transformation, of metamorphosis. And then everybody will see that. But I think that's, that's just not true. That's a lame version of a really good story. Right? Because, again, like I said, this is what we're dealing with right here. This is it. I'm still short and scrawny. Like, none of us are actually promised the future of being a butterfly. We are promised the wonder of being a caterpillar <laughs> right now. Like if my daughter's supposed to wait for a moment in the future where her worth and her value is just suddenly apparent to everybody, she's going to miss out on the greater opportunity and the greater reality that her worth and her value is present like right freaking now. <laughs> This idea sounds pretty straightforward, like learn to accept yourself, <laughs> duh, right? But CJ takes it further by saying not only is this mentally and emotionally healthy, but it's also professionally intelligent. If you want your audience to believe you, you're going to have to be real with him, as he put it in another part of his talk. People trust things that are real. And so I remember the first time I went to Mama Moose Farm and she's showing me like she's got the vision for all of these acres that she has because you know she's got 24 acres and so some of it is just cultivated and it's you know great and but there's all of these other acres that are unaccounted for and so she's got the vision in her mind and I'm, I'm just standing there like having a panic attack going like mama what what's the issue here like how, how are you gonna be able to do this like how do you get up every morning knowing that there's more work to be done and she just kind of looks at me and she's like hey chill you know, maybe breathe into a paper bag or something like, you know, you're going to be all fine. It's going to get done when it gets done. And I realized uh, the fact that the farm is still technically unfinished, it doesn't stop the tomatoes, the tomato plants from producing tomatoes. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't stop the, the chickens from laying eggs. It doesn't 
stop the flowers from blooming their wild colors. It gives life because the farmer thought that it ought to, knowing in the back of her mind there's more work to be done. We don't stop getting in on the goodness of that farm. It's not up to us, thankfully. So we need to see your process more than we need to see your perfection. This is what CJ is great at, and it's something I think we could all stand to get a little better at understanding. Your awkwardness and weirdness aren't things to overcome. They're things to accept. And once you embrace your oddest angles, you'll become the best version of yourself possible because the best version of you is fully you. I talked to CJ a little backstage about this, and he says that that thing, the idea that your own self is enough, is still pretty revolutionary to most of the people he talks to. I love to see the lights come on in people when they realize that they have everything they need uh, and they just need someone, really, it could be anybody, um, but just to encourage them and go, I, I see you, I see what you're capable of and you're able to to bring whatever's in your imagination to life. And I've seen that happen, you know, at the corporate level with Fortune 100s and I've seen that with startups and I've seen that with, you know, friends who are just going through a rough time and going, what am I designed to do? So. But if you know CJ at all, or even if you just listen to him, you realize that his methodology isn't to just be weird. It's to organize your weirdness. He doesn't use individuality as an excuse for laziness. He sees it as a responsibility. So he says, once you figure out what makes you weird, actively build something around it. He explained a little more in this story roundtable we did. Listen in to his conversation following some Q&A with story attendees. Every movement starts uh, with a weirdo, so you gotta find the weird, and then at some point they gather other weirdos together, and then they make a manifesto, which is where a lot of um, communities kind of stop being movements, and then eventually like they hack the mainstream culture so they cease being weird, and that's more of like a a cycle where they have to find like what makes them weird again because eventually all weird things become stagnant. So if you look at like the, what's a good example, um, the vinyl revolution that happened around like 2008, I thought it was really interesting. Like you had this recession happen and then all of a sudden you had uh, vinyl, this really outdated, inconvenient <laughs> medium in the age of the MP3, all of a sudden start to like uh, pick up steam. And then what happened was as people started gathering around this idea that vinyl was a better uh, listening experience and uh, all of a sudden this weird little idea that vinyl was great started popping up in mm. blogs and journalists started writing about it and everything and now you go to beacons, beacons of mass culture. You go to Target, the mall, uh, Urban Outfitters in many ways, like what do you see? Vinyl. Right. So. Um, every that's sort of a little bit of a, of a grid for every kind of um, community becoming a movement. And so, but really, where I think movements or communities sort of kind of um, maybe peter out is not realizing how to translate their weirdness uh, to outsiders, and it just stops sort of growing. And so that's where the make the manifesto thing really happens. If you look at um, again, you can really filter any movement through this process. If you look at um, American democracy, right? You got a weird idea. Let's separate from Britain. All men are created equal. Not everybody was on board with that, right? Most people wanted just to like hang out with Britain and be like, yeah, you know, the taxes are high, but whatever. Um, 
But then they gathered weirdos together. So you got like John Hancock and George Washington and all of, you know, these other folks, Thomas Jefferson. Uh, but then what do they do? They make uh, the Federalist Papers. They make the Declaration of Independence. They figure out how to communicate what their weird idea is um, in a way that's really transferable now. So don't just be weird, really own your weird and turn it into something special. It's by doing that that you realize you don't have to sit around in a cocoon and wait to turn into a butterfly. You're ready to start changing the world just the way you are. Look, if you want to learn more from CJ, check out the series of creative exercises we just released called Six Impossible Things. At Story 2018, our conference booklet contained an exercise for each of our six conference sessions, supporting the conversations we had together about the role of wonder in our creative work as storytellers. We took those exercises, sat down with CJ, and then he and I filmed a video that walks you through each of these exercises. You can do them alone or together with your team. And again, they're totally free and they're super awesome. I've already gotten emails from multiple people, both freelancers and teams who are going through the exercises together or alone. Again, they're a game changer for both your life and your work. Go ahead and grab them. Again, they're totally free. Storygatherings.com slash six dash impossible dash things. Storygatherings.com slash six dash impossible dash things if that url gets too complicated for you just head over to instagram at story gatherings just click the link in our profile let's be honest you should be following along on insta anyway and we've totally revamped our content on that platform in an effort to keep you more inspired as a community so seriously go check it out at story gatherings that's it for this episode of the story podcast be sure to check back for more amazing content from both the story main stage our roundtables and backstage conversations captured at last year's event we have more episodes just like this one coming down the pipeline i am harris the third as always thank you so much for listening to the story podcast mm-hmm.